The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, you might be watching this, Wave King. Hey. We're adding video to the mix. The bubbles in Bradenton are heating up. Devin Booker, Carmelo Anthony, uh, the Chicago Sky, TJ Warren. So much to discuss <laughs> there. We're talking about it all. It's just King and I this week. Uh, but first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former three and D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. Well, 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 people. Welcome into, gosh, King, what is this, week five? Uh, five or no? I think it is five. It it's is definitely five, five, and I'm officially ending this it's count. Five, yeah. I am not starting every podcast counting how <laughs> long you've been with me. I'm over it now. Monica McNutt here, King McClure. Another edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Um, and off the top, King, the bubble. Let's let's start in Orlando. The bubble in Orlando is giving us all the sports fodder content, debate, and arguments that we've missed since March 11th. Man, oh man, have I, I missed basketball so much. And I, I didn't realize how much I missed it until I started watching, uh, you know, LeBron and the Raptors play. And it reminded me of the of last year when the Raptors played in the finals and when they had Kawhi. And, you know, all of this greatness, this madness. And you know what, for some reason, it just seems like everybody, like dudes you would never expect, are just going off in the bubble. Like, dudes are just like, I don't know if the bubble just gives them a sense of confidence. It's like the confident bubble, but I, I don't know what's going on. But dudes are really going crazy in the bubble. Like, TJ Warren. Like, come on now. Like, he's not a bad player, but come on now. TJ Warren is going off like that. But I think... Before you say anything, I think the number one thing that's, that's low-key irritating me the most about the bubble is the defense. The defense is terrible. The Mavericks play... No, look. Defense is a part of the game, right? Am I wrong? You are oh, not wrong. wrong. You're not wrong. Okay. So, cool. So, I'm not wrong. Anyways, the Rockets played the Mavericks, okay? And it, I don't know what... I didn't watch the guy fell asleep uh, during the game. And the Mavericks, my hometown team. The score was 151 to 147. Granted, it went into overtime, but come on now, Monica. That is unacceptable. Okay, well, tell me more. Why is that unacceptable? Because that means there was no defense being played. Because if you can score 151 points, if you are a coach and your team scores and the opposing team scores 151 on you, what is the message that you're saying to your team? I just score more than them so we can win. <laughs> 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 and look, your team, when it comes down to it, they're not going to win when it matters the most. Because if you're counting on outscoring people, that's not basketball. Because at the end of the day, you can't control whether shots are going in 
or whether shots are falling or you can't control that. But you can control the defensive part. You can always bring defense. The defense is nothing but effort. You can always bring effort to the court, but you can't control whether you're making or missing shots. Okay, yes. However, I want you to take those two teams into account because mm-hmm. they are not teams that are known for their defensive prowess. The Rockets, remember mm-hmm. when the season started here in D.C.? It was like a 154-150 game in D.C. Like, we're not – the Rockets are not built to play defense. That's not what they're about. They also had 61 threes by themselves the other night against the Bucks, maybe? Um, so, I'm not tripping off them in offense at all. I also think that we still got to get a chance to warm up. We're being – we're in – what, are we going into game four? We got some 3-0 and teams mm-hmm. going into game four at the time we're recording this pod. I think guys are still getting mm-hmm. their legs under them. And – Although they had their two weeks to practice in the bubble, I do still think they were shaking off some game rust. I mean, the other night, um, Giannis and Chris Middleton didn't even play the entire second half. So there's there's shaking off game rust. They're still figuring out what the rhythm is, how to keep guys fresh and get into rhythm or balance between those two with playoffs around the corner. So who have you been most impressed with so far? That's a good question. I actually have been kind of impressed with the Rockets in a in a way. Um, I just it's like okay, here's here's the thing with me and the Rockets. I agree with most of our basketball minds who suggest that or didn't suggest flat out said that James Harden taking the rocket shots is not going to be a winning winning formula. Mm. But I think that in this format, the rate at which they're getting up and down the floor. Um, I think Jeff Green, although I felt terrible for him trying to guard first Giannis when they played the Bucks, and then the big three for Portland, like, I, there's something about what the Rockets got going on that I think is going to be interesting. Like, it might surprise some folks. Like, if we really figure out what the rhythm between Russ and James looks like, there's something there. But I think um, as an entire unit, I definitely think Portland is a team that has caught my eye. Well... You would ask me that question. The team that has stood out to me the most is hands down the Raptors. It's just something about the way that they play that I find more intriguing because you don't really have a superstar. You know, you don't really have, uh, you lose your best player, but you're still as good. Like your record is still as good. I was about to say, yes. they're still as good or their well, record? Your, your, your record. Let me mm-hmm. Your record is still as good. But they don't really have a superstar, but they don't need one. And I think that's what makes them so special because they're just a whole bunch of dudes who play with a chip on their shoulder. Like Kyle Lowry plays with a chip on his shoulder. Fred Van Fleet, they start both of them in the backcourt and both of those guys might be six foot. Like, they're just a bunch of dogs who go out there and compete every single night and get it done offensively and defensively. So here's my thing. I feel like the Raptors are sort of the sexy pick in terms of a team that has surprised you. But will what you just said come back to bite them when we get into a seven-game series? Because the thing that, listen, the thing that has made it magical for them, to me, is when you look at regular season games. They don't have that superstar, like you just said. We're in a league of superstars. I would be shocked if, I'm sorry, I said the Rockets earlier. I meant the Raptors. If the Raptors got past the second round, like, for that exact reason. I'd be shocked if the Raptors don't make it to the finals. 
Yeah, I don't got them in finals, no. I, I, I'm picking them to come out the East. Because when you look at it, it's almost as if who can't they, they match up with? I don't think they match up. If, if if the Sixers are playing well, I don't think they match up well with the Sixers. I don't think they match up well with the Bucks. I mean, they ran that. Here's the thing last year with the defense that they ran, though. Kawhi. Like, and I love Pascal Siakam, Spicy P. That's great, but, like, I'm sorry. In a seven-game series? OG Ananobi. He's not, he's not to the level of Kawhi. But OG is a, is a solid, good, better than a lot of people in the NBA defender. Plus Siakam, plus Ibaka can even switch on the perimeter at time from time to time. Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Fleet, they do a great job of disrupting your offense, disrupting what you're getting into. So I, I think when you look at the Bucks, I think what 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 makes the Bucks so special? It's Giannis, obviously. Okay, Giannis and Giannis being able to create, and you have to draw so much attention. They have a team full of shooters around them. I think that Siakam and OG are good. They, I don't think they can stop him, but I think they're good enough to slow him down in a seven-game series. The coaches, the players, they make a lot of money to make adjustments. So nothing is out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, but sure. I think, to me, the Bucks have been focused all season long. They're going to mm-hmm. make adjustments. I don't think Giannis is going to do some of the same things we saw last year. Mm-hmm. Um, when he ran his issues with the Raptors. And remember, like, yes, the Raptors went to the finals, but we were a crazy shot away from that not happening. You're so correct. so correct. I just think the room for error, the wiggle room, is, like, super small. Like, Very they put small. a great question in the chat about Portland scaring the Lakers. 100% Portland can scare the Lakers. I'm not going to bet against the Lakers because I'm not going to bet against LeBron. But 100% Portland can What do you mean no. by what's defined no. scare before you tell me no? Scare is taking the seven. Scare is taking him to six. What are you talking about? Yeah, I, I think Scare is taking him to seven. I think game six of LeBron, like, I think LeBron is going to get it done. I mean, if there's a game six, I, I'm I'm really not that 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 afraid. Because I think scaring is taking them back to seven at their home place. That's scaring. That's real scare. I think game six is like, okay, now you're starting to feel the pressure a little bit. But it's still not there because if you lose, you're not really done. You can still make adjustments. Yeah, but if you're the number one seed, you're not really supposed to go sixth in my mind with the eighth seed, potential eighth seed. So to me, that is a big deal from energy exerted. I mean, yeah, but like Damian Lillard is Damian Lillard. I mean, I think when you look at Dame, I don't, I don't know if the Lakers have anybody who can really guard Dame. Because they don't, but continue. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think the Lakers have anybody that can guard Dame. When you look at the Rockets and what they match up, I think you could say that vice versa. I think you have the Rockets has not the Rockets, I'm tripping, the Trailblazers has nobody on their team that can guard Anthony Davis. They have nobody on their team so, that can guard LeBron. So here's here's my thing. I think LeBron is a tougher matchup. But if you subscribe to the Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi team up mm-hmm. defend Giannis, then why don't you see the big three, Collins, Whiteside, and Nurkic, slowing Anthony Davis? Like, I think that they are... I mean, I mean, Whiteside, yes, Whiteside might give Anthony Davis a few fits. But uh, Nurkic and Collins? I'm saying as a unit. I'm not saying one-on-one. I'm, I'm saying throwing <laughs> bodies. One-on-one. Anthony Davis is going to destroy them. As a unit, that's not, it's not slowing down. When you look at Siakam and OG and Obi, you're looking at two, like, defenders who 
aren't like just your your basic average defenders. No offense, Zach Collins and Nurkic are just two average defenders. I mean, Whiteside is an elite defender. Yes, I give Whiteside. Whiteside will give Anthony Davis problems. The other two is just is, is yeah, but because you're thinking Davis. because you're on one on one matchups, I'll give you that Anthony Davis is going to move around them. But I'm saying mm-hmm. the group team defense, right? Like just sheer yeah. bodies, sheer bump and sheer physicality, like can slow. Now, granted, Anthony Davis also looked super. What did he drop? Forty three to Evan? Forty two. Forty two. Was forty three? Forty three. He looked um, good. Yeah, he looked fantastic. It's going to be interesting. I mean, this is this is what we love. Um, has the bubble basketball lived up to your expectation? Um, you know, I'm not even going to lie. I think it has exceeded my expectations. And I think for um, various reasons. I think, one, um, with the whole Black Lives Matter uh, movement going on, I definitely thought that the focus would be taken away from that okay. and that it would be all on basketball. But the NBA has done an amazing job of um, reiterating that that's what's important. That that's what should be first uh, up front. And I also think that the players have done a great job in press conferences and interviews, um, you know, making sure that, that, that they know that that's what, that's what matters. Um, basketball is just basketball, but they're black men first and foremost. And I think that they've done a great job in that. Secondly, I thought that the NBA, it would be kind of weird without fans. Mm-hmm. But for some strange reason, these virtual seats is it, it's kind of getting the job done for me. Like mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of, I'm kind of feeling it. Like I, I don't know if we could do this for forever. I definitely wouldn't want to continue this. But for right now, with with the times in 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 mind, I really think that these virtual seats is really getting the job done. Plus the music and all that, you know, that they play for each home team, whoever's the home team. How they try to make the sound similar. It's really getting the job done and making the game interesting. I agree with you 100%. I will be the first to admit that I said the message would take a backseat. And the players, the coaches, even media that are alert and engaged in that part are keeping that at the forefront of the conversation. And both bubbles, quite honestly. Um, in the WNBA bubble this week, we had big news as the players wore T-shirts that said, Vote Warnock. Who is... Um, opposing Senator Kelly Loeffler, who is a part owner of the Atlanta Dream and does not agree with Black Lives Matter. So, um, again, we're talking about social justice and what both teams or both leagues, both the men and women's league, wanted to be at the forefront of the conversation. And they've done a tremendous job of keeping their foot on the gas in regards to making sure people know what really matters. Sure. Here's my question for you, Monica, on this on this uh, topic of social injustices, Jonathan Isaac, we saw in the news this week, he chose to not stand. Neil. Him and Miles Leonard did. Do you see an issue with him not standing? So we had a similar deal on the W side where Las Vegas Aces head coach Bill Lambeer did not wear the Black Lives Matter t-shirt that all the mm-hmm. other coaches and staff members were wearing. Here's my thing. I think people have a right to express their opinion. And we have to be mindful of this new buzzword, performative, right? Jonathan Isaac is someone who I remember from his days at FSU. I can't say that I followed him closely, but I know that his faith, and I believe he's an ordained minister, like is a big deal to him. Yeah, yeah. Taylor Rooks, who's crushing it from the bubble, asked him why he didn't stand. I believe in Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. 
so Jonathan Isaac's answer to me did not quite answer the question. Um, but I am one. What do your actions say? Because you can stand all, kneel all day, have on a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, and go to the poll and vote for someone who opposes everything that the movement is about. Um, I don't question the blackness of Jonathan Isaac. I don't question um, the support. I don't know as much about Myers Leonard, but I'm just on the surface, off the top, I don't question the support. I don't question Bill Lambeer's support. I just thought that that was an idiot move on his part. Um, although I did hear that the shirt did not fit. He's a large man. And if that was the case, he should have just said that. So I think you got to give people some room, right? Um, if Myers Leonard, Jonathan Isaac, Bill Lambeer were staunchly on the opposite side of what the leagues and their teammates are standing for, I think we'd have more of a problem. So I think you got to give people room to express what they express. When I listened to Jonathan Isaac, it felt like he didn't stand so he could have somebody asking why he didn't stand and use his platform that way. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't, I, I, this is the King, this, this thing is a conversation, right? We'd like to believe that it's a no brainer, black lives matter. And I think on the surface that is a no brainer, but when you start getting into the minutia of what that looks like for people, um, especially white folks who have always been privileged, it, it, it gets funny for whatever reason. So, um, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get stuck there. I hope that he recovers well. And we just want to make sure that it was clear. He stood, he chose to stand instead of kneeling with all of the other um, players and coaches that knelt before the magic game. I mean, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, when he, when he answered his question, I really did not think he did a good job of really explaining why he chose to make that decision. I think he kind of sort of tried to point it back to uh, his faith and in that sense, which I, I, I commend him for doing that. I mean, ultimately, I think he's right in a sense. I mean, I 100% agree with, uh, with that. I just feel like, I don't know, part of me is just kind of sort of like, this might be unpopular opinion, but it, it might be, like, it's, it's almost too late to, to, to kneel. And, and like it's we should have been kneeling when Kaepernick was kneeling yeah. like we should have been kneeling when it wasn't expected for us to kneel yeah and to me you kneeling right now because I mean that, that's what that's what's expected out of us so I think more so right now it's more of a stand to stand <laughs> like in a sense it's definitely it definitely sparks conversation. Yeah. Right. Um, and I and I think if Jonathan or Myers or or I think Becky Hammond and Greg Popovich chose not to kneel at one point, um, if their response to someone saying why did you not choose to kneel is what you just said, I think mm -hmm. that's spot on, and I think that's yeah. very powerful. And that's not taken away from those of us who stand to kneel, but we can't forget that when Cap kneeled, it cost him literally his job yeah, and his career him. in the NFL. Yeah. Now we're doing this Jerry Jones before the Cowboys unity kneel for a second because the president called somebody SOB. Like, this is not yeah. costing anything. And now, not that it doesn't have its place. Mm -hmm. And I'm not knocking it in that way, but I agree with you. I have also been struck with the thought, well, what's next? Because if the ideal, yeah. if the idea and the intention behind <clears throat> peaceful process 
is to create discomfort that continues to push the dialogue forward. Like kneeling mm-hmm. is now comfortable. Here's my question for you. Something that I did not get and I need answers. ASAP. WNBA. When the when the national anthem played, they left. First game, they left. I need answers. I don't understand that personally. Okay, so Holly Rowe, who is does a terrific job at reporting, actually yeah. quote tweeted that clip that ESPN put out and said the players left before the national anthem played. Like that was mm-hmm. that was agreed upon that they just weren't going to stand, they weren't going to be out there. They didn't walk out mm-hmm. during. It wasn't that was not a protest move. They just decided mm-hmm. they weren't going to be on the floor during the national anthem. So, I mean, but I. But why, like, why, were they, were they discussing plans? Were they discussing, uh, you know, I don't, from what strategy? I gathered, from what I gathered, that wasn't a strategic thing. Like, they just decided they weren't going to be on the floor. Now, in 2020, I don't know if people can take that answer, put a period at the end of that sentence and move on. I, I'm not, I'm not taking that answer because here's what I'm taking the answer. For any other event, you're standing for national anthem. You got to at least be out there. What so you do, why not technically you answer? don't. What do you mean? The NFL, last season, NFL, you don't have to be out there. Like, that's what I'm saying. So now we're, like, getting into this whole, like, why are we actually doing this anyway? Okay, so here's my thing. Here's my thing about that. I think that's disrespectful, just me personally. Because I think whatever you do during the National Anthem is what you do. Now, if you choose to leave and not even honor the National Anthem, I think that is partially disrespectful. I don't think it's that deep, but okay, sure. But, but why? Like I just. But why? If, if, if people think that take him taking a kneel, him taking a knee during the national anthem was was bad, and disrespectful. I think leaving is even worse. So are you not part of the crowd that le- that yells? Hold on, I'm forgetting my words of the national anthem. Oh, or is it at the end? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you are you like stand in complete silence prayer mode? No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Whatever you do during the national anthem is cool. I, Take a knee, pray, drop your head, hand over your heart. Whatever you choose to do is cool, but like, as long as you're out there. Like, I feel like once you leave, it's kind of, I view that as kind of disrespectful. I mean, it, take it's a knee. Disrespectful to who? To the people who fought for our country, fought for our freedom. Mm. I mean, at least you can do is stand there with your hand on your heart and just at least stand there in a moment of silence. And just, I mean, you can say whatever you want to say. About- how about the least you can do is pay your taxes and be a good citizen? Like, I, mm, I'm i not going to get I mean, caught up on the national anthem. Look, you, I mean, pay your taxes and be a, a citizen. You go to jail for not paying taxes. Like, you, like of course, you got to do that, okay? The national anthem is something that you do not have to do, right? So that's what I'm saying. Period. Like, but, you just said you, it. No, but, but because you don't have to do it, right? It's, a, it's, it's, it's respect. It's viewed as respect. Because if you got to do something, like... You don't have to respect what you do, like because you have to be forced to do it. But if you're not forced to do something, and you choose to do it, that shows respect and admiration for those who fought for you. Okay, we're not gonna get stuck here. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, I when the national anthem plays, I acknowledge the national anthem. But if I chose not to, then that's my prerogative. But why do you do that? Why do I do that? Because that's what I, how I've been raised. But honestly, do I do I feel a certain type of way about it? No. Like, in fact, in working events, right? Like, yeah. if I had, if I'm running around doing national anthem and I'm working, like, I got, I got things to do. Like, what's up, America? Shout out to you. <laughs> I, I'm just not, I don't think that's that big of a deal. 
Sorry. All right. So since King joined, who's tripping has become a uh, signature part of this podcast. It delves beyond basketball. Uh, I know you got a who's tripping this week, King. Who is tripping? Man, today on Who's Tripping, we are talking about the Horned Frogs. Yes, folks, we are going to TCU. TCU, oh man, oh man. <laughs> Let's see, where, where can I even start on this one? There was an incident where the coach, let's just break this down real quick. The coach, Gary Patterson, who's potentially a Hall of Famer coach, he called a player out. Okay, called a player out and used the N-word, not calling him the N-word, but he was calling him saying that you say this word in meetings, basically in the meeting room, telling him that basically that's not acceptable, okay? So the player gets upset about that, and they go to the locker room, and he walks in there, you know, because some of the people are talking to him about it because the player's making a big deal out of it. So he walks in there and says, I didn't call him the N-word. He says it. He just said, I was telling him that's not, that's not acceptable. So now the player goes and tweets and 15, 20,000 people viewing it, going crazy. Everybody's talking about it. And... This is where it gets kind of interesting, Monica. Would you like to take a stab at this, or you want me to take mm, a stab at I want first? you to text this boy. You down there. You <laughs> with these people. You probably know some people on that team. I want you to handle all of this. Yeah, so after doing my own research, talking to a few people who are on that team, I have three problems with this, okay? The person who's tripping this incident is Dylan Jordan, the player who is making a big deal out of this. Let me let me explain to you why. Okay, so what really happened was that's that what I said to you was what the player had tweeted. What really happened was after that incident, after the coach called him the N word, they had a meeting. Okay, they had another meeting, a second meeting, where the players basically talked to coach and told coach that we don't feel comfortable with you saying that word, and explained to him why. Okay, and once they explained to him why the coaches and the players came to a mutual agreement that it's okay. Like, it's cool. We know you didn't have any racist intent behind the word. We forgive you. Let's move on. This is house talk. Okay. So after this house talk conversation, house. my boy Dylan uh-huh. wanted to tweet to the world that coach said this. And that's when the story broke out because he tweeted to the world what happened after they had already established that it was house talk. And the reason why you see that is because one of his teammates called him out on Twitter and said, bro, you're soft for this. Basically saying, like, why would you let this get out? Monica, you know, when your teammates, your family, your teammates are your family, anything that goes on between you and your family does not get out. Mm -hmm. So, Dylan, why are you sitting up here Letting information, family information, household information get out to the public. You're wrong with that. That's the first thing, the first problem. The second problem is they did, the TCU team, I commend them for doing what they did as far as educating Gary Patterson. Because a lot of times nowadays people are so sensitive to, uh, you know, certain words, 
um, because of the whole black white thing, BLM, people are sensitive right now, oversensitive in a sense, mm-hmm. almost. And Gary Patterson had no racist, ra- racial intent, but the players did the, what they're supposed to do, supposed to educate. So if, 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 a, if a white person comes to you and says something to you and you don't like what they say, you tell them why it's wrong. You don't just cancel them. We have a cancel culture. Don't cancel them. Teach them. Tell them why that's not right. And that's exactly what they did. So they did that. So I commend the TCU team. And third thing is, here's my thing, and this might be super unpopular opinion. You might even disagree with this, okay? I'm listening. I'm ready. But I'm, I'm all here for it, okay? Dylan Jordan, here's my question. If you are so upset about Gary Patterson saying the N-word, not even calling you the N-word, saying the N-word, right? And he, he wasn't had no racial intent, but if you were so upset about him saying that, should you even be saying it in the locker room? Should you even be calling your boys that if you were so upset? And why is he upset? Because it's a, it's a demeaning term. It belittles us as African-Americans. Correct? Uh, yeah. So, if it belittles us... Now, I'm not saying what Gary Patterson said was right. He should have handled it another way. He should have never, ever said the word, period. He should have corrected him in another manner and told him that his language was inappropriate. Okay? But, if you're that upset, should we be using the word on a daily basis? as African-Americans, to call each other, what's up, my... Should we be saying that? <laughs> I did not expect to go here today. But since we're <laughs> here... Um, so the word is part of my vocabulary. First. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say I've never said the word before, because for sure, we say it. But if we get this mad at him for saying this, should we be saying it? But... The, if I'm hearing you give the facts correctly, the one particular kid was upset about him mm-hmm. saying it. The other players were like, yo, coach, this is the way you got to go about it. But they yeah. understood that he wasn't using it with intent. Yeah. Uh, it is a polarizing word for sure. <laughs> but I guess for me and my little little bit of rebellion, I'm not going to apologize for my culture making you uncomfortable. Like, I spent enough time apologizing. Not literally apologizing, but in Mm -hmm. code switching, in professionalism, in wear this, not that, in speak this way, not that, this, speak this way, not that way. I spent enough time trying to ease who I am into this world. Mm -hmm. So, for me, I'm, it's just a word that's off limits. Like, it's the one thing that we can say, (laughs) like, white people don't use this word. (laughs) Um, so two things can be true in, in your question. There's a whole group of people like my dad is like, what do you, what don't do that? Um, and I respect people that feel that way, but I also, mm-hmm. as someone who uses the words and amongst my friends, like it doesn't bother me and I never want to hear a white person use it. And so yes, to both sides of that. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. You're being honest and I, I respect the honesty. But I feel like, as African-Americans, we should just at least think about that. You get what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that we, like, just don't say it, whatever. If that's part of your vocabulary, cool. But at least think about it, you know? If we're this upset about the word 
him saying the word, we should not be belittling each other and demeaning one another. Because the word is very derogatory. It's a derogatory word. But now we're getting into spelling king and like this is way more no, no, than no, like I'm our audience. I'm not getting into spelling. I'm not getting We into are getting into spelling because now we're getting into, getting into context spelling. and who says it and why they said it and it being derogatory. Like But it's just it's just the word itself. Just the word itself. I don't care about how it's spelled. I don't care. You know what it means. Like, I mean, of course, of course, hard R is something that's just not tolerated when you say it with the A, it makes it a little bit more socially acceptable. No, it doesn't matter. It's the word, the word is still the same word. Should we be saying that? That's all I'm asking. I don't, I want to, let's talk about basketball. I don't, <laughs> uh, should we, it's, you know. It's, it's just something to think about. I don't, I'm not trying to change tomorrow. It's just something to think about. What? Uh, <laughs> it's okay. We can agree to disagree. But Dylan no, I, Jordan it is for this week. Yes. Dylan Jordan for this week. You are tripping. Okay. Yes. You are tripping and you just, you gave me a headache by way of King. But it's fine. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, okay. So before we wrap this pod up, because this week is short and sweet, uh, we did not applaud the performance of one Devin Booker as the son. The Phoenix Sun knocked off the Los Angeles Clippers in a heroic fashion. I have a friend who firmly stands on the fact that somebody's got to go rescue Devin Booker out of Phoenix because we're wasting away his best years. You know, I agree with that. I'm like, I'm 100% in agreement with Devin Booker has to leave Phoenix or he's going to go down in the, I hate to say this, but go down in the, the, Car- <laughs> the Carmelo category. Ooh. He's going to end up going down the Carmelo category. And that's the category you never, ever want to go down. For those of you who do not know what the Carmelo category is, is uh, best players who will never win championships. I want you to know that you're getting a reaction from this week's producer, the one <laughs> and only Eric Newman. Uh, continue. <laughs> so, I think if he doesn't get out of there, he will go down in that category. Hate to say it. Didn't want to say it. But, I mean, it's early. Yeah, you're right. It is 100% early for the label. But there, I just... I, I don't see players wanting to go to Phoenix. Like, I, I just... Yeah, they, they have DeAndre Aiden. I mean, they're going to have to draft really well which means they draft really well. That means you have to grow their players. And it's going to take four or five years before they can really become that team. Hey, E, turn your mic on real quick, because I, I need to, I, I just, let's, let's get into this. Come on, E, jump in. <laughs> um, I agree. I am here. Okay, so I agree that they've got a youthful core, but I think the X factor that is slightly overrated is I think Monty Williams is a really good coach. Yes, I love him. Hundred percent. I love him. I terrific, think he's terrific coach. That's yes. why I think they could build something there with Booker, Aiton, Ubre, Rubio, and what Monty Williams brings as a head coach. That old school mentality. What he demands. I think um, for the first time in a long time, at least the Phoenix Suns have some direction, as opposed to the off season where they brought in three point guards and. <laughs> <laughs> messed up their future and then gave them all away for free. Um, I, I think I, I think it's a core 
and we see this in the West now, there's a bunch of young, up-and-coming, yes. exciting teams that are, um, you know, most of them are not going to make the playoffs because of what you were talking about earlier with Portland. But you look at Memphis, New Orleans, Phoenix, and Sacramento, and Dallas is already in the playoffs. I mean, look, look at the, the future of these teams. But there's going to be a clock on Phoenix because after a while, they're going to have to pay these guys. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but then you, you, you flip it and say, okay, wh- what's a team that should go get Booker right now? And, mm. you know, that team is clearly the New York Knicks. Um, all, all mellow jokes aside. <laughs> <laughs> the Knicks could use Booker right now, for sure. The Knicks they can use a lot, of, lose a lot of people right now, though. You know, I was I was in a conversation. Uh, I'll I'll leave it with this, and then I'll wait until I'm prompted again. <laughs> this is not my show. Um, I was in a conversation with somebody, Monica. You may know him, uh, Edgar Burgos. I don't know if you know Edgar. He does a lot of basketball content. Is from New York. Has a thing called Hard to Guard. Mm-hmm. But we were talking Knicks last week, and the big thing with them is, you know, can they scoop up a young, rising talent who's just not in a situation to either win or succeed right now? So it's whether it's a guy who's as established as Booker, or I actually used Kelly Oubre as an example, a young, budding talent who needed a change of scenery to take the next step. To me, that's what the Knicks need to do. You know, now I'm going to go back to mute. Okay, thanks for that, E. But that's a great question. Ubre, though, to me, because he was here in D.C. and I loved Kelly. I, I don't know if Ubre would be that guy because I don't know if he's the guy. Like, he would be part two, part three, probably part three in my mind. Maybe part two. Um, but but here's three, my theory. Here's my theory on the Knicks as we, you know, they do pay one of my checks. Shout out to MSG. Love y'all. But this is, this is my theory on the Knicks, and we're not going down this rabbit hole today. It is only a matter of time, whether it's a rising star, whether it's a guy that is fully conscious and alert and aware of branding. I swear, I know that they have had their detractions sticking their own foot in their mouth, their swings and misses. But I'm in this era of 2020, and guys and brands and so, so on and so forth, I'm convinced it's only a matter of time before somebody and their homeboy is willing to take on the Big Apple again just because there's so many other opportunities beyond basketball. I mean, think about it. You said, King, Phoenix. nobody's going to want to go to Phoenix to play with um, Booker. Mm-hmm. Cleveland was not exactly a destination either, and I'm not comparing Devin Booker to LeBron James, but like the biggest thing besides how the actual basketball gets played that I'm watching in this bubble is to see I firmly believe we'll get the next super team out of this bubble because they were going to be on the yeah. same boat fishing together. Like, and it could be in Phoenix. It could be with the Knicks. Like, we don't know. Let me ask you this. Devin Booker going to the Timberwolves. Thoughts on that trio? Because they're all close. They're all boys. Who's the third? And Carl Towns. Oh, right. They're, right. All, they're all boys. We are Because they, they were the class above me. And every camp, like, they was always together they're doing photo shoots magazines together for gq like they're they're boys devin booker going to minnesota here's here's uh, my thing here's my thing i jared culver is i like jared culver at yeah jared culver's good he's a beast. um 
So my only hesitation, and maybe I would really need to sit and like E talked about in terms of the window, they would still technically be fall into that young rising star group. You're gonna mm-hmm. have to contend with the Lakers, the Clippers, Portland. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with Utah. What Donovan Mitchell does, low key. I don't know if y'all been in the in the weeds listening. Like Utah might be might not be as solid um, as people might think. There's so much to get through in the West that to me. If Devin was trying to stack his odds, like you figure out a Go way to, to get East. right, you figure out a way to yeah. get with Bradley Beal, right? Like I'm not saying DC is it, but like we when the Nets came together, like it can be done. I just think if you're looking to hit sooner rather than later, the play is still to try to go through the East first because LeBron and them not ready to come off their thrones. Nah, for sure. And also, I think one team that um, we really haven't talked about much today is the Nuggets. Mm. That's a young team. Mm-hmm. that I think has some pieces to be special in about three or four years. When you look at Michael Porter Jr., Bo Bo, I think those two guys alone, I think those are two guys who honestly might have to leave. They they might have to leave. One of the two might have to leave. I think Michael Porter can maybe stay and play the three for him. But I think Bo Bo, I think he, he he's going to turn into a starter in the NBA. And he doesn't want to play second fiddle behind Jokic. And you you have to, you got to pick Jokic or Bo Bo. I, do you have to pick E? You're summoned again. I don't feel like you got to pick right now. Like I, no, 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 not, not right now. We're talking about like in three years from now, three, four years from now. So it's funny. I, I randomly follow the Nuggets closer than most other teams. And the trade they made to clear room for Michael Porter Jr. to start to play with Minnesota by shipping Beasley to Minnesota. And uh, I think it was Hernan Gomez. And in return, they took back Noah Vonley and um, Florida. another piece I can't remember. But they've got a crowded roster. But Porter is set up now to really develop besides uh, Jokic. And if Bull Bull can start to get the minutes that Millsap was playing after his contract is up, it'll be interest, interesting to see if they could grow this team together and if they would want to do it collectively instead of, you know, guys being uh, quote-unquote uh, stars and there being a pecking order there. But the Nuggets roster is very, very interesting both now mm-hmm. and looking to the future. So you don't, you don't think that Bull Bull... Because honestly, I feel like Bowl Bowl is more dangerous at the five than the four. So I think he's he'll be more effective playing the center in the NBA than he would playing the four. So you don't think that they would have to either choose between Jokic or, or Bowl Bowl, Eric? I think a lot of it is going to depend on when they've got to pay him. Um, mm-hmm. I think you can play them both together because of versatility. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And you know, let's be honest. Like, Jokic is a monster. If there's such thing as a point center in the NBA, it's him. No, and sure. that first game in the bubble, they put five front court players out there, and they were two of them. And you saw what Bull Bull can do with him on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could be a special, com- uh, you know, combination. Personnel wise, it works what the individual expectations are of those guys 
and what Mike Malone can get them to do, uh, that's a different conversation. But mm-hmm. sign me up to watch it for the next five to seven years. Absolutely. Agreed. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, E, thanks for jumping in. King, thanks for taking us on a bunch of different rabbit holes this week that we didn't necessarily plan to get into. But that's what this is, a safe space for us to talk it all through. All right, we're wrapping this thing up. Thanks this week to our guest producer of shorts, Eric Newman, who jumped in for Bruce, who is out of power in Connecticut, thanks to the storm. So keep all those folks in your thoughts and prayers as they get it together up there. Um, Thanks also to our new editor, Tom Phillip. Welcome to the squad. Please check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. This week, the Mike Wise Show features Hall of Fame journalist Harvey Ayrton. Four Court Press with Fanta and Adams has an incredible guest all summer, and their show drops every Tuesday. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin is back with Um Young Masuk of ESPN. Aaron's partner, Otto Strong, was also a victim of the storm and has no power, but we're definitely looking forward to getting Otto back next week. BJ Armstrong is back with Eric Newman in the Pure Hoops podcast, which drops every Friday. And King and myself, King and I, are back next Thursday with a brand new edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media. Listen up, my friends. We are not done with COVID-19, and this pandemic is far from over. Please continue to pray for the safety of our medical professionals and essential workers, the real heroes, who are putting it all online for us. And school is about to start, teachers as well. Pray for them. Do not be selfish. Wear that mask to protect yourself, but not only yourself, others as well. Continue to observe social distancing. Six feet apart. Wash your hands, please. If you don't, that's just unsanitary. (laughs) And treat everyone around you like a cherished teammate or friend, even if they are strangers. Keep working for social justice with our fellow citizens of all races and religions as we work on creating a more inclusive society. Do not say certain words according to, to Monica. That, this is not the time or the place for you to do that. This is the sign off. If you like buckets, boards, and blocks, please subscribe. It's free. Keyword free. Listen and please give us a five-star rating. It would mean a lot. Until we meet again, for my co-host, Monica McNutt, I am King McClure. We'll see you next week. But until we meet again, say it, Monica. I was about to get so upset. I thought you weren't going to let me get my line (laughs) in. Enjoy your bubble hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.